welcome to the Leading Through the Enneagram podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Pritz. Together, we will explore how the Enneagram typology system applies to leadership. We interview leaders that share their Enneagram journey and how it's impacted the way they lead in their organizations, in their communities, and in their personal lives. My guest today is Quentin Dupre. I hope that I pronounced that right and didn't butcher it too much. He is all the way from Brussels, Belgium, and he is an organizational coach that loves leveraging the insights brought by the Enneagram to foster a common collaboration language among individuals and teams. And he is really good at helping organizations and teams bring the best out of themselves and achieve true meaningful results. It was interesting to get his take on the Enneagram being in Europe and just culturally a little different than us in America, but turns out that we are all just humans and we all struggle with the same problems like communication, truly understanding ourselves and others. So we had a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Quentin. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Rachel. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Tell us where you are in the world. So I'm based in Brussels in Belgium. So it's the heart of Europe. And yeah, I'm confined at home. Yeah. Years to discuss the Enneagram. Yeah, yeah. So tell me just a little bit about how you discovered the Enneagram, how you stumbled upon it, and then what your core type is and, and how you've used it to grow yourself. So the first one, how I got to know the Enneagram. So it was in 2013-14. I already had uh, three years of work experience behind me and uh, I was really not satisfied. Every time I would choose a job, I thought it would be interesting, etc. But my energy would go down. I would feel that uh, I was not really in my place or that I would get bored quite easily, quite fast. And after this changing two or three times of uh, two or three times a job uh, in three years, I said uh, no more. So I resigned, and then I started doing some personal development. And uh, a good a person that has now become a good friend was an Enneagram instructor, and so it got me into this uh, Enneagram. Um, training that I followed for weekends and this was really for the first time an eye-opener. I remember first time reading uh, the description of uh, my type 8 which is my core type and I was like oh Jesus it's it's like uh, someone who knows me better than myself and, and my mother describing me so I was, uh, yeah. I was so amazed and this led me really to understand how I work and, and, and how I'm functioning how why yeah I can be very impatient and uh, I need to move and uh, and I cannot stay uh, in one place and, and just do the, the same thing all day long. So it gave a lot of perspectives on, on a lot of tensions that I had in myself for my whole life. And suddenly I was like, okay, now I understand. Now I can take control of my life. There it is. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I do find it to be empowering when you have words and a way to articulate it. I think that's a lot of people's reactions to it. It's, it's really an awakening to themselves, yeah. but they just didn't have words to put to it. Absolutely. And now they do, and yeah. What I really loved about the Enneagram, and because I already had some coaching in my, in my first jobs and I did DMBTI and, and other kind of personality models, but every time there I find, okay, so it's, yeah, it's interesting and I'm reading behaviors and, and things that people are, so it's describing me, but it's, it's and so what? Okay, I'm this type and I'm extrovert and I'm more sensing and I'm this, but what can I do with that? Um, I'm, it's more like a, a blend description of, of myself. And, and with the Enneagram, I got to understand that 
behind the behavior, the Enneagram is not at the behavior level, it's at an identity value and belief level, which is not in the how you do the things, but not more in the why uh, level of the people. And so knowing why, and I'm from the why generation, so it's really uh, aligns with, with how I'm, I'm, I'm wired. Knowing the why why I'm doing this allows me to, to, to make better choices, more, more, more conscious choices. And this is really what I loved because to me, a personal development tool should give you yeah, a, a map to understand deep, give you a deep perspectives about yourself to, to be able to, to rewire it and, and, and to, to change that. So yeah, I, I, I really fell in love with, with that model. Yeah. And I know for me personally, just having a roadmap of how I can look in health is really helpful for me. So just looking at the levels of development and saying, Oh my gosh, at the highest level of development within my type, wow, that's a really beautiful person. That's how I want to show up into the world. So I feel like I always talk about that section is this is hashtag goals. Like this, this is where we Mm -hmm. all want to be. And I think it helps for me personally to not just say, well, I just want to be my, the best version of myself or my highest self. When I actually have words to put to that, I think that's really helpful and something to strive for. Yeah, indeed. And, and I like the, the, this thing of uh, each type is really, really beautiful and can have, of course, really dark, really dark roots. And, and, and in the lower levels, it's, it's quite dark and it's more for the uh, psychiatrics. Um, yeah. So, but you can grow and, and uh, there is an evolution path if you, you're able, certainly for an age, to calm down and to breathe. And, uh, and I could relate uh, after doing that uh, because my life changed a lot when I went to work in India after my studies. It was 10 years ago. And there I, I wanted to do some sports. And the only sport that I could do in that village was yoga. And to me, I was like, okay, it's not even a sport, it's more <laughs> whatever. And uh, I started doing that and, and I really loved it. Uh, not for that it would give me muscles or something. It, it was the first time in my life that I could get really zen in my mind, that I could really be relaxed and, and, and get insights into it because I had this thing of an eight. It's, it's a volcano. It's always a lot of energy going yeah. into me and then for the first time i would feel yeah. zen and i could access to to something else and what i saw after that indeed with identifying with the type 8 is as an evolution for an 8 you need to to really work on your body and and, and let that energy out and and find a way to to peace yourself um this was really like ah, yeah okay so now i i i could understand how how yoga was was really good to me and what i like with, with the Enneagram, it's such a good base to coach people because each type has its own development path. And so something for eight will might not work for four or for five, but, but it, once you know that, you can say, okay, to the person already, guide her towards there. And, and, uh, well, you bring up a great point just about finding balance within that type. It's so much more than just the type. So recognizing that yoga isn't something that comes necessarily natural to you or it's not your... your natural tendency, but it's really helpful for you. I think that's that's a great point. I personally experienced something similar. So, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, I'm an introvert or an extrovert. You know, that's it. I'm naturally I have natural tendency to be an introvert as a nine. And so one of the growth paths for me is to be more extroverted. So mm-hmm. I, I have to sometimes force myself. It it takes more energy for me to get out into the world and socialize. But I have seen such a huge 
benefit to that and finding yeah. more balance there. So I still need that that alone time and time to recharge, but forcing myself to kind of get out and talk to other people, learn about them, that actually really does bring me a lot of energy now. So yeah, that's one of the things I love about about the Enneagram is it's not just about, okay, so so here's your natural tendency, stay there, you're an introvert. You know, it's yeah. about finding that balance and recognizing almost the opposite of what your tendency is, maybe that's something you should try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and knowing, uh, okay, I'm a nine, so I'm in between the eight and the one, I can access to, I need to move something and to, to, to put some energy, okay, what if, and to me, it's really working like that. In that situation, oh, let's access to, to that energy next to me and, and, and I'm really putting myself like virtually on that base next to me and saying, okay, how does that feel now? What do I have? And I know I have access to it because the beauty of the Enneagram is, okay, yes, you have adapted and, and maybe it's there on, on that circle that you are positioning yourself closer to one of the types, yet you can go everywhere if you want. Knowing in coaching, uh, I use that this con- more in the constellation type. When I do it individually, I say, okay, so I, you are stuck with, with your view from here. So your base eight, you have this problem and, and you are stuck with your problem. Which other types, so which other bases were, could you go to? Yeah. And, uh, and, and if you adopt that perspective, and so we move really, for, for instance, it's eight, I would move to, to base two. So I go there and say, okay, now that I'm more like altruistic and, and, and looking at people and, 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 and having different filters, how is that situation all looking? And uh, what can you do differently and see differently? And, and uh, it's, it's, it's tremendous. Well, the first step is the awakening and then mm. evaluating what is no longer serving you because yeah. there's things about all of our personalities that no longer serve us. And so what is that and how can you make that change? And mm-hmm. and how can you look at the Enneagram and look at some of the other types and find more of that balance? So yeah, yeah. it's that's that's the thing I love about it is you know, a lot of people will say it puts you in the box and it, it does the opposite actually. So I think it just tells you the box that that you are in and then it cuts the sides off and yeah. says, "Okay, get out get out and run now." And it almost gives you it it a lot it doesn't give you that excuse anymore, right? Cuz now you have mm-hmm. this framework. So you no longer have that excuse of that's just how I am. So that's yeah. it. So yeah, that's that's a beautiful thing. So yeah. And it gives you this path in life of of uh, saying, okay, my my ultimate goal is basically to get back into the center where where it's wholeness, where joy is, because right. joy is in that center. And then, how can I build this path in life to 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 get back to it? And by accessing to to other energies and 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 bringing that into your portfolio of strategies brings more equilibrium and roundness and, yeah. and makes a makes a better version of herself. Though we cannot be everything we in in life yeah we have a personality and we have basis and we will always have this base camp so when we are tired or or not paying attention we get back to it but it's okay everybody has this bias and these filters or but it's good to know it's really good to know that and yeah so i'm i'm curious over in Europe, the um, how how the enneagram has kind of taken hold in business. So here in the U.S., I think it's really gotten a lot of traction over the last couple of years. And there's been people that have been using it for a long time. We have some of our universities that use it. I know Stanford uses it with some of their master's degree students. I'm just curious, kind of what what that temperature is there. Um, if people are ready for it, and what do you think about? the readiness factor. So for me personally, there are times where I think some of the other assessments, even DISC, might be helpful if people are just starting some self-discovery and they don't even really necessarily know their behaviors. 
So I think there's a certain level of self-awareness that is needed to really get the power of the Enneagram. So I'm curious just to hear your thoughts on that. I know you're using it in, in businesses and coaching people. What's the, what's the temperature there, the feeling there around the Enneagram? I would say indeed the Enneagram, it goes much, much deeper than, than Disc or Insights or MBTI. And uh, so once people go into it and start uh, understanding the depth of it, they start to love it, basically. Though it's at the moment, I would say there are still more people because there are lots of coaches selling MBTI, Insights, Disc. And, and so it's still uh, mainstream, though the Enneagram becomes a, a start to get demands for directly for the Enneagram. Because usually what I do is... My job is to guide companies in, in their collaboration practices and to, to, to boost their, their ability to, to collaborate well. And usually Enneagram is one of the tools that I use and I, I'm bringing it. And they trust me to know that uh, yeah, they, they don't even question that. So there, uh, when I'm, I'm using it like that, people usually, there is always a half that are super enthusiastic and say, yeah, I love these things. And the other half that say, I don't want, I don't like to be put in a box and uh, don't believe in these things and uh, it's bullshit or whatever. Yeah. Or they've done already some other stuff and, and uh, why I'm here. My manager told me to be here. And, uh, but the way I'm doing it in a group, because I, I love that with the Enneagram, is something where you don't do a test that tells you you are ESTP or this or that. And so it's, it's something where you get to discover yourself and, and, as I'm doing it with teams, know already each other. People can give feedback on each other and say, yeah, but I, I perceive you like this or like that. So it really creates a context of, of uh, understanding each other un- under different perspectives. I'm using um, videos also of uh, each type to, to show people what it is to, to, to be the type and uh, what is their energy, what is the... And it's... It's really a great, great workshop. People love it. Uh, in the end, the, the one that are uh, with crossed arms a bit backwards uh, saying, you know, I don't like it. And I don't want to be put in a box. In the end, usually they are the people that participate the most. And the benefit of that is, is of course, uh, because I'm not just doing that for pleasure. Or Of course, people are, are it's yeah, people gain something personally and can, can take it home. And I'm usually taking, saying, uh, yeah, do that with your wife. That will help your, your, yeah. your relationship. Yeah. A lot, wife or husband, but definitely for a team, it's uh, there. It's what I'm calling the what is. It's really a, a real team building. So in in the noble sense of it, which means uh, building a team that works, not uh, just going for paintball or, or a restaurant. That's usually people do in team buildings, and it's really building. Uh, I had this anecdote uh, just before the confinement of uh, of someone telling me, yeah, you know, before I was always picking up the phone. But uh, there, are, there were some, there are some, some people calling, and I know from that company when they call me, I'm always, I'm always getting excited, and I'm always, uh, you know, a bit angry, and, and uh, it doesn't work well. And after knowing that, he is more is a type eight also, so he's very. And after knowing that, they said, oh yeah, so when next time. Instead of getting angry, it's on. When I see the number, uh, I should uh, I should ask someone that is more like a type nine or more relaxed uh, to, to to answer the phone, and it would work better. And uh, indeed, now they do that and uh, say, yeah, this situation, uh, okay, this type could uh, handle it better. Or when we we work on the role, the roles, the different roles that uh, so the task that needs to be done and. and when you bring tasks together, it becomes a role. How to to give a role to someone? Now it's uh, yeah. They, they always ask themselves, okay, what type would uh, do this role the best? 
or here if you need to do a duo, trio for to work on a project, which association of types could work best together. This is another bias. Usually people tend to people that look alike tend to assemble and come together because it's easier. We t- we think the same and we feel the same, etc. And with the the enneagram, we say, okay, it's good and it's easy. But uh, you're missing if you're only putting seven together. Yeah, you will have a lot of fun and it will be great. <laughs> Though uh, you you you. you you might not get anything missed, done, uh, but yeah, you'd, yeah. Have a, you'd have a ton of fun for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Now I talk about personality diversity a lot. So we talk about diversity in all different, you know, ways, shapes and forms, but I do think mm-hmm. it's really important to have that personality diversity. Yeah. I always say my dream team is all nine of the types in health. That's, that's key. Uh, very healthy emotionally. And I, I just think that would be the most beautiful team is those, those nine different types and the different ways that we approach life and the world. Oh, you know, one of my dreams, uh, I had a, I had a nonprofit organization um, that I was running since last, till the last year. And, and the dream was to have a, a circle of nine, so a core team of nine people with each each uh, type that is represented. We yeah. almost were there, but uh, it's impossible to do it. But yeah. uh, that would be really great. And you were talking about diversity and, and, and was writing this article the other day saying, you know, in, in Europe, they are big on, uh, you need to hire handicapped people and, and colored people and, you know, have gender, whatever, a lot of diversity and, and uh, all companies advertise on this. And, and when I see how, it, it's good, and to me, of course, uh, cultural diversity brings a lot. But organizations do not organize in a way that to take advantage of that diversity. Even if you take diverse uh, uh, people that are, uh, you would see a team that is not diverse or all, all the same type of people, etc. Already exploiting the diversity of the enneagram would be great. So instead of absolutely willing to hire this or, the, or that person, try already to, to take advantage of those different vantage points that you have from the nine perspectives of the Enneagram. And if yeah. you can already create a context where all, because in our modern Western world, it's more like the eight, the three, all these kind of qualities that you know you, you are strong and you're going to take everything and you're going to do it and I'm a doer and I can do a lot and I'm an entrepreneur. And so there are qualities from, from the Enneagram that are or certain types that are really pushed uh, uh, forward and, and where you feel the best and it's in the dominant culture and some others that are a bit put, put in apart. And, and, and for me, that, yeah, that's a pity. Well, and I see the world and even the business world changing where what we really need people to do is to take the armor off. And mm. sometimes those, you know, three, sevens, eights, those more assertive types are really armored up, right? They're not showing up and being able to be vulnerable with their teams and everything we were learning about vulnerability and the need for it to create a trusting environment in workplace culture is critical. And so mm. I think, I think that's another great point. I also want to point out as you were talking just about you know, typing people. One thing that I have not done with the Enneagram is used it solely for, for hiring purposes. So I've been asked to do that in the past. And I, I think outside of having some really in-depth conversations with individuals to make sure they're not mistyped, first of all, because there's a lot of mistyping that happens because we're asleep to a lot of this stuff. I was mistyped as a three. I'm actually a nine. I just look mm-hmm. like a three in growth. So so I always like to point that out too. Like this is not... You take a test. Here's your number. Okay, we only want to have threes on our team. No, 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 no. That's, that is not what this is for. 
So that was something, you know, as you were talking, I just wanted to kind of point out, I imagine you feel the same way, but I have been asked to do that. I don't know if you've ever been asked to do that to kind of do typing for people because they want certain people in certain roles and, and explaining to people as well that, you know, it's all about the level of health. That it doesn't, your number really doesn't matter necessarily if you're unhealthy or you're kind of in that average autopilot space probably not going to be the best version of that type anyway. So, so yeah, I, I'm curious if you've ever been asked to do that or, or your thoughts I've on I've been once asked and there it was really, really good in my opinion. Um, it was, it's the CEO of a company and her right hand and, and it's been a long time. They, they were ready for 10 years ago, everybody did the Enneagram and so on. So they knew already about the Enneagram and she was already trying for more than a year to, to look for a sales manager. And she had already two two people that she hired and where the, the fit wasn't there. And so she had this idea and I found it really good. And so I accepted to, to do that, uh, to have an Enneagram session for a day with her and her right hand and uh, that person that she had in the, in the recruitment process. And it was already far and she was hesitating. And, and it was not about we want absolutely to have a three or four or five, whatever kind of type. But we want to have this session where we can talk about ourselves and discover ourselves in depth and where we can have this honest conversation about how we work and, and what are our filters and what are our drivers. And uh, there it was, uh, it, it was really, uh, and I did put a lot of frame of authenticity and of saying, yeah, it's, it's useless to lie to, to others and to yourself because we would make everybody a fool and everybody would be unhappy in the end. So let's be honest. And it, it was just one of the most beautiful moments and, and day with the Enneagram ahead because people could really get into, because yeah, you have then the fears that comes and the this and the that. And, and yeah, it was really a great conversation opener. I knew after that that uh, she, she hired the person and, and it works really well because it was already from, already from the recruitment process it was, uh, but the manager, the hiring manager was there also. So she would uh, get a bit naked on herself and, and the person also. So authenticity and, and deep conversations was there already from, from the beginning. So it's yeah. really putting a good basis for a strong basis for, for a great collaboration after that. Yeah. Well, that's a great way to use it. And I also think, you know, when, when you're interviewing for a position, you should be interviewing the company and the leader as much as they're interviewing you. Absolutely. For a right fit. And so I think that's a great way for, for you to really like get to like, you know, open the, the hood of the car a little bit and be able to kind of see into that culture. I think that's a beautiful way to use it in the recruiting process. You're going to get more of the right people in the right positions that way. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, the, 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 there are so many recruitments that are misfits and, uh, and cost so much to recruit and it's so much, it's so much time and energy. So it's really something that I told her, yeah, you were visionary to do that because you invest a day, but you know about yourself, you know better about your colleague and you know better about the person that you would hire. And it's really a great investment. Yeah. Well, and once you know the Enneagram in depth and you really understand the tool, you can talk to someone for a fair amount of time and get a sense of where they likely land. I obviously don't advocate for typing other people, but but sometimes I just do that just you know independently. It's not something I talk about out loud, but it's like, oh, you know, I'm I, yeah, I'm hearing some keywords here. I'm guessing mm-hmm. you are maybe yeah. this type, and so it's helpful for me to also learn how to treat those people, you know? And so yeah. I, you know, sometimes I'll try on some things that don't always work, but, you know, try on some things that a typical three would need or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever number it is. 
So I love that aspect of it too. You don't even have to have... Your organization doesn't even have to know the Enneagram for you Mm -hmm. to be able to use it in the organization without them even knowing it. Absolutely. And as an organizational coach, sometimes I see people really suffering from a situation when hearing them and, and, and understanding, digging a bit better, uh, deeper in, in, uh, into the situation. And I can see, yeah, that's because uh, the, the fear of the type six and she's not in a, so, so, or whatever type, but uh, being able to quite easily type people or, or to, to grasp and by keywords uh, where, where they are stuck, basically. Though in the Enneagram, you cannot tell to someone, uh, yeah, you are that type or that type, they should yeah. find that about themselves. Knowing the questions or the things, I can, I can, without even mentioning Enneagram, I can ask them questions or, or, or say, yeah, you are that kind of person, I guess, and, and this is making you afraid and this and that. And I say, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Oh, do you know that? So, yeah, you know, there is this model Enneagram. I'm not going to tell you whatever, but uh, I think you should go and look a bit into, uh, because this situation you're suffering from, I think understanding that it's because this is the way you've been adapting to the world and, and the way you've been doing yourself and, and your personality, it's, it's, it's uh, knowing that already gives you this, this ability to, to take care for yourself. You know, and then you can grow and, and, uh, or put more barriers or communicate better about uh, how you function and what are your needs. And because being in a company is... Uh, well, a lot of people, I was reading a, something, an article recently saying that 50 or 60% percent of the people in companies actually means a no when they say yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, you say yes because you want to please someone, because yeah. you love this and that and that. And knowing your needs and knowing how you work then allows you to give a real yes. And that's what I'm asking from, from, from people is uh, don't say yes to, to, to please someone or, or whatever, because in the end, everybody is, uh, is, is losing from the situation. So to your yeah. manager, a manager should know what is driving the people and, and, and being able also to challenge the, the teammates when he's saying yes to please or saying yes not to make a trouble like a nine would do. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yep, that's that has that was a pattern of behavior for me saying yes when I really meant no. Mm-hmm. And that was a really big growth point for me when I started asking for what I actually wanted and and speaking up a little more and asserting myself more. Oh, it was a game changer. So yeah. empowering to actually ask for what I wanted and then I started getting it. It's like, Absolutely. whoa, this, this works. This is amazing. I, can do that. Yeah. I mean, nines have a uh, we can sometimes do this whole thing where we'll say yes and we have no intention and on doing it because we can be a little stubborn. And mm-hmm. so we'll just say yes to please, but then we turn around and say, we're not doing that. And, and I've mm-hmm. discovered that pattern of behavior for me. And not only was it hurtful for me, it was hurtful for that person. They just need, yeah. they just need, I just needed to be clear with them. Right. And so, so certainly for an eight that you would have in front of you, that says, if you say yes, it's a yes. And, uh, yes. and uh, <laughs> absolutely. And so, yeah, I, I have found a lot of growth there for sure, personally and professionally. So that's, that's yeah. been a big thing for me. So, and, and knowing that, uh, because usually eight do scare in companies because they, they are really extreme and they say, yeah. they would say our force also. I can, I can see force, uh, when, when you do our, because I, I use a lot of discussion circles. So everybody would speak, uh, in the rounds, talking piece. And usually when there is a situation with a lot of emotions or something, then the eight is like, yeah, I don't care. I don't want it anymore. And this and that. It, it's always exaggeration. So when people know, okay, it's exaggeration <laughs> and that you should put the volume a bit lower and that then you have to. Yeah. What is really thing, and the same for four. When he's saying, "Yeah, no," he's using a lot of really super intense words that you're like, "Okay, it's, it's a tragedy here." 
no, it's not a tragedy. It's just uh, inside it's like that. And, and the situation is not that bad as they would say. So once you know, okay, here, it, it, this is your four talking or this is your eight talking or this is the five talking. And, and, and there it really becomes the collaboration language because you can, you can play with that and think, eh, okay, now I understand. You don't take it personally and, and it's beautiful. Yeah, I coached a new, new-ish eight leader over the summer last summer, and he, I was, we were coach. I was coaching the whole team, so I was, you know, observing some of the team dynamics, and he was trying to figure everybody out because he was fairly new in the role, and he talked, and he talked all the time in their team meetings. He never shut up, and so yeah. I said, "Hey, I, this is something I'm observing. What I want you to do at the next meeting is not say a single word." Hmm. and just listen. And suddenly, a few of the nines in the room, he had a four in the room, they spoke up. They started mm-hmm. talking. And he said, you know, afterwards, he said, Oh my gosh, that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life just to shut my mouth because I'm so used to kind of taking over. But he said, I learned more in that one meeting than I've learned in the last year in this role. So, so it was a really great opportunity for him um, and it really took me sitting there and observing that behavior for for some, someone to call it out. And he's a pretty strong leader. So nobody was going to tell him that unless he literally hired someone to tell him that, which yeah. is what he did. So for him, you know, that was a really big aha. And I think it improved the team dynamic. And he started getting all these like innovative ideas from these people that normally never had the opportunity to talk. So mm-hmm. it was it was great. It was a great experience. So anything else you want to share with our listeners just on the Enneagram that we didn't kind of flush out? Um, I have this thing coming back to my mind uh, because I know in, in Belgium uh, and in Europe, we have this, uh, there are two currents of Enneagram. The one that is the, the most classical that are uh, the main schools who still teach is that you have a, a main type and then a subtype. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's like this with you. So I know I'm an eight and then I have this uh, the one-to-one. Yeah, yeah. So I'm yeah, yeah. eight one-to-one. Yeah. So it's interesting. And then the, the teacher actually that started teaching me from the beginning was saying, yeah, but you know, Ishadzo, so the, the one of, actually was tra- uh, talking about a triple fixation. So we have one type in each of the centers. And is that yeah. taught in, is that something you've been taught? Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely like master's degree level Enneagram is what I call it. That's that's stuff that I think people are really missing. And there's a lot of meat there. Mm-hmm. When I tell people there's actually 27 types because there's three subtypes of each type, people are just like, their minds are blown. You know, So it's like the first step, yes, is identifying your type. But there's a lot in those things that you just described that can help you identify your type. Mm-hmm. So if I could have seen that I was a social nine because I didn't show up as a typical nine. So it was confusing to me. And the social nine is the counter type of the nine. So it looks a little less like the stereotypical nine. So if I would have known that and been able to read more about that from the very beginning, I wouldn't have been so confused about my type. You know, I would have said, oh, now that makes sense. They show up, they actually do look a little more like a three. So I think there's a ton of meat there. And there's not enough of that conversation happening, I think, here in the US. There are people that have been doing it for a long time that, that are using that. I think we're limiting ourselves by just stopping at just the, the type and not exploring those centers of intelligence and how you can find more balance around those and then exploring some of those subtypes. So this is what I've been taught in the beginning, type and subtype, which gives already some, some granularity in, in understanding that your needs. So what I was taught after that was 
that you have a pilot, so your main type, then you have a co-pilot, and then you have one of the type that is actually put aside because it's too much to handle. So it means I describe myself in the way I teach uh, in Enneagram now is that you have indeed someone that is uh, having behind the, the steering wheel, uh, so really piloting, and it's an entry point in, in uh, one of the energy center. And to me, the one that I was actually the most present, so the emotion that was the most present when I was a child was anger. And so I chose a strategy to deal with anger and I chose a strategy number eight. And so uh, this became my pilot because even if I have sadness or, or what is this, the, the third one, uh, fear uh, coming, the one that is with the, behind the driving wheel is, uh, is, is just using that strategy because it's, it's, I'm used to it. But I also have a strategy to manage fear and I also have a, man- a strategy to manage uh, sadness because we are all uh, facing those emotions. So it means that what is then the, the second emotion that, I, that is occurring the most when I'm a child? To me, it was, it was fear. So then I chose an entry point in, in, in how to manage fear, five, six, or seven. And discovering myself, I think it's the five that is... Uh, so I have eight, which is my pilot, and five, which is a co-pilot. So helping and as, as of a certain age... What we see is that a pilot and co-pilot is are really switching seats, and in some situation, I'm a real five, and in some other situation, I'm a real eight. So yeah. it's it's uh, it's really, but my core still is a, is a eight. And then what we see is the third center. Usually, the brain is kind of a bit lazy, and so with with already two kind of strategies, it's enough. So the strategy to manage sadness is put aside. And we, we say it's in the trunk. And so it's behind you. And if it's in the trunk, it's it's also called your shadow. So it's really, it's your shadow type, the one that you don't see. And that's at some, I know my instructor when he was 55. So he was a 5-4. So the, the anger center was completely put aside. When he was 55, and I was already working with him for three years. And really from one day to the other, uh, the guy changed. Uh, it, it was like a, a baby child getting angry and eh, I don't want this and I want this faster and this and that. It was never happening before and, and suddenly it came up and, and that's what... Uh, and then he was really discovering his type that was in the trunk, his type 8. He was discovering it for, for almost the first time in his life because it was put aside for so... And so it was like a child who still have this, you know, yeah. angry energy and he cannot manage... It cannot really balance it, and so it's coming up like a volcano. And, and yeah, yeah. And so no, I really yeah. love this approach of uh, that we have one entry point. That's what Ichado is saying. We have a triple fixation. So one entry point in in each of the uh, each of the energies. It allows people for because I've had many people saying, "Yeah, but I'm a type nine, or I'm a type seven, whatever." But I also feel I'm this type, and I also feel I have a bit of this type, and. Having this gives a lot of more granularity than you can add the, the subtype on it, to it, but um, it's very subtle. And to all the people that know Enneagram for some time, and when I explain that, and when, when uh, it's not from me, right? uh, I've been taught this way, but when we, when we start getting into this uh, field of saying, yeah, you have one entry point in, in each yeah. uh, energy center, it makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. So... So yeah, I think it's a, it's a good way for, and there is this um, international French Enneagram Association. I know they do some research on on, uh, on Enneagram, and this is now what they are researching deeper, and uh, yeah. it's kind of at the forefront of. Uh, 
Well, and let's be real. The human personality is not described in just one type. So what you're saying in the dynamic ability that the Enneagram has is, I think, what draws me to it. And mm-hmm. you know, with, with some other assessments that I had taken, it, it really did feel like, this is pretty limiting. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't know where, where to go with this. And so when you can find that balance, especially from an emotional standpoint, and understand that, that yes, you might look a little bit like this type at times. And and that's okay. So, yeah, I think I think the dy- the dynamic part of the enneagram is what intrigues me so much. And I think it's when people learn that part of it, I think that's what draws them to it as well. So, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's what sets it apart from other personality typology systems. Absolutely, yeah. And with five five thousand years of track record, uh, and then you know that you can go deep and uh, and uh, and the enneagram. As we know it, and as many people do it in businesses or in coaching, is is really the psychological level of it. But there is such a, a huge spiritual dimension of it rooted in in a really deep ancient uh, spirituality, and uh, that I still have to discover because the anagram is really like a, a mystic. The more you go, the more you can can read things and and see, see deeper meanings in. Yeah. Just just when I think I've got it down, there's something I discovered. Yeah. It's like, oh my Absolutely. gosh, it's just a lifelong journey. I don't think it's ever going to stop. And and that's a good thing. you know. I mean, I think that we need to have that growth mindset and constantly yeah. be curious about learning about ourselves and other people. So I, I love that. I, I think I'll, I'll never probably stop uh, learning from, from this tool for sure. Yeah, and and to to go back to the beginning when I started talking about this MBTI and thing, and I had the results, and I said, okay, I'm reading it, and then so what, and then I'm just putting it in a drawer, and I don't look at it anymore. Here it's something that is alive, and uh, so what? Okay, you can go deeper. So what? Deeper, deeper, deeper. So it's it's a lifelong path, and it's it's really exciting for for curious-minded people because I know some people they don't care, they're not really. Yeah, they don't ask themselves questions. They don't know what they don't know what they don't want to know the why. But if you want to know the why, then, then go for the anagram because uh, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. really. Uh, we talk about the enneagram rabbit hole, but it really is a rabbit hole that never yeah. ends. You know, yeah. you're you're going to be in that rabbit hole forever. So yeah, towards wonderland. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, thanks for joining me, and I wish you well over in Brussels. Yeah, thank you. It was. Uh, great moment. Hey, hey, thanks for joining me as we jam on the gram. Also, don't forget to hit subscribe so you can get the latest weekly episodes. That's right. I said weekly. And if you want to follow me on LinkedIn and also on Instagram at Indie Enneagram, I would love to have you. And just remember, when it comes to personal growth, there are seven days in the week and someday isn't one of them. Have a great week.